All right, welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. It's 4.04 on this Friday afternoon, June 23rd, 2006. The 9-11 Truth Movement, those who do not accept the official version of what occurred on September 11th, 2001, has been growing by leaps and bounds and is concretizing into a full-blown conference this weekend in Los Angeles. The American Scholar Symposium 9-11 plus the Neocon Agenda is being presented by alt-media icon and parapolitical researcher Alex Jones. We will be having uh, one of the speakers for that gathering calling in on the second half of the show. My special guest and co-host for the entire show is informationalist and Gonzo Alt Media proprietor Smiles Lewis. His knowledge and involvement with the 9-11 Truth Movement make him perfect for this role of priming us for the event this weekend. You can check out his meme propagation at AnomalyRadio.com, Elphis.net, and other places he can fill us in on in uh, just a minute. Before we get started with him, I'll remind you that the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. Smiles, welcome to the show. Hey, Robert. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, always fascinating to talk about this. It's a little disturbing, I guess. I mean, it's very disturbing. But I think it's uh, a good process to try to be getting the truth out there. Absolutely. It's uh, been several years since uh, the horrible events of that day, and in some ways uh, the American public are still being kept in the dark, yet in other ways, uh, as you said, the information is just multiplying. Uh, People's uh, awakening is quickening. Um, There definitely seems to be a slide away from uh, blind belief in the administration, despite the best efforts of the propaganda meisters spinning the media. Yeah, yeah, well put. Um, what I want to kind of get started with you here today, the uh, way I want to kind of jump into this is just to go back to that day, and I remember uh, uh, first my my feelings that day, and it's probably similar to other people's. Obviously, there's the initial shock, and then I'm the sort of uh, quote-unquote official stories coming out, and I'm thinking, mm, okay, I suppose that's possible. But there was some little thing in the back of my head going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something seemed a little funny. It didn't quite add up to what they're telling us, how it happened. But I kind of put it out of my mind. There were no quote-unquote experts that I knew of at that at that time that were really questioning it. And, and to actually go where my doubts were sort of leading me was just almost like too disturbing. I didn't want to go there. And it was just kind of a process of over actually a couple of years before I kind of started really uh, getting into questioning this. and But you were ahead of the curve, and you, you were in uh, questioning this seriously much earlier. Can you talk about how you that worked for you, and were you just that first day uh, blowing up with doubts? Absolutely. That first day, I was um, doubting the official story and doubting what I was seeing with my own eyes, as I think most people were. Um, as you know, we share interests uh, in strange phenomena and anomalies that have led us to investigate the government's involvement in a variety of strange arenas, um, often which lead back to programs like uh, the covert ops 
that presidents have utilized throughout uh, the American history of having secret teams of military-trained people doing secret operations around the world, performing psychological operations per, uh, and perpetrating horrible atrocities uh, uh, in, in the name of freedom and democracy, supposedly. Um, some of the projects that you and I have come across before we ever even conceived of anything like 9-11 were things like the CIA's MKUltra mind control research where they were using horrible techniques uh, much like those used by the Nazis and the Japanese uh, on unwitting victims, often military personnel. You recently had Joyce Riley talking about um, her documentary uh, Beyond Treason that documents many of those cases where uh, military people and non-military people are used as cannon fodder for experimentation often not given any uh, explication as to what they're about to embark upon. So with that as a, as a background, um, in that uh, September of 2001, I was prepare preparing uh, for a three-day conference that I was hosting here in Austin. And so I had the day off, and I was up early that morning to get ready for the conference, which was happening later in the week. And as I had the TV on, I had CNN on, as I was for some reason doing at that time uh, back in 2001. And I heard the screams uh, from the second tower hit as they said, oh, my God, not another one. And at that point, I had already known that there had been a crash into the uh, one of the Trade Center towers, but I didn't really suspect that there was anything other than a horrible accident going on. Um, living in Austin, Texas, as I do, uh, I've been privileged to grow up in the shadow of another young parapolitical investigator who is the man behind the conference that's going on in your neck of the woods, and that is Alex Jones. Alex Jones is one of those people that many people have a very quick reaction to. Uh, they either love him or they hate him. Um, <laughs> his demeanor can be abrasive, uh, but he's the kind of person who puts things in front of you that you have to confront and you have to deal with. He reads the types of news articles that make you go, oh, I really don't want to think about that. Uh, when, in fact, they're the kinds of things we should be thinking about. Well, as I was bumping up against covert ops and my knowledge of government corruption and, uh, and government conspiracy pre-9-11, I was coming into contact with uh, Alex Jones's weekly uh, uh, access television show and his uh, daily radio show and starting to listen to him more and more and starting to become acclimated to his style and uh, his approach and the information he was uh, talking about. And certainly I, uh, being, I had come across what I considered wacko right-wing conspiracy theories and uh, left, wacko left-wing conspiracy theories for some time before 9-11, but what I started to realize was the things that I had quickly dismissed that I had heard him say, because, oh, I've heard other people talk about the, that and they're wackos, or, or that seems so outlandish, or I think they have part of the truth but not all the truth, I started to realize that a lot of the things that he was forecasting by looking at the news and, and uh, projecting into the future what was going to happen in terms of just his analysis of the news uh, and geopolitics, that he was actually becoming fairly accurate with his uh, ability to scan the news uh, milieu and, and see how things were shaping up. And so it... On the morning of September 11th, 2001, I was not surprised when the events unfolded that day, largely because I believe it was July 25th of 2001 when Alex Jones had been on his Access TV show imploring all his viewers and then later his uh, radio show listeners around the world and around the United States 
to call the White House and tell them to stop their covert ops, to stop their planned use of Muslim uh, extremists to uh, start a war of aggression. He basically came out and said that, that he, from what he was hearing, he felt strongly that there was going to be an op perpetrated uh, in New York. And that's online. Anybody can Google uh, Alex Jones, July 2001, 9-11, foreknowledge, and they'll likely find the video clip. Um, so it wasn't that big of a surprise. And actually, the strange thing was, I was hearing a lot of uh, intel. I mean, I just scanning the news, there was a lot of information out there that le- would lead one to believe that something big was about to happen. And in fact, in the, in the week prior to 9-11, I'd been talking to an acquaintance who asserted... Uh, flatly that he thought something world-shifting, something earth-shattering was going to occur uh, around September 20th. And while he may have been a week off, something did dramatically change the course of human events. And as I watched the replay of the second strike, and then moments later, or a half hour later, as the uh, first tower fell, you know, I fell to my knees with grief as I watched this unfold. And and I, I'm watching the towers falling, and I just could not believe my eyes. It just it it didn't make sense to me that two little planes barreling into the side of this monolithic uh, uh, structure that had withstood the test of time and was designed, as we were later to learn, uh, to withstand several types of airplane in, impact, would just fall the way they did. It was it was a a collective uh, experiencing of what some might call trauma-based mind control on the American public and the world at large. And from that moment, uh, my phone began ringing off the wall. And the people whom I spoke to on a regular basis about parapolitical investigations and government corruption were all calling in and saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, are you watching this? Do you, have you been following what's going on this morning?" And I, I was, you know, I answered in the affirmative, and we just. You know, basically, we're popping in videotapes and starting to record as much as possible. And thankfully, a lot of people did that, and so there's a lot more uh, evidence of these crimes available uh, than perhaps would have been otherwise. But on the other hand, I, I do think that there there may be something to be said that the, that this was intended to be witnessed. It was intended to be, I think, people whatever was behind this 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 horrible crime, terrorists uh, of the Islamic persuasion or our own government as so many people now believe, um, I think it was meant to be a, 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 a real mind-altering shock uh, that, would, that would galvanize the American people uh, towards a war of aggression. Mm. And, well, it's, yeah, it certainly did that. And um, that was, you know, again, when I, I saw it, I didn't uh, immediately have any of those sort of uh, conspiracy theory thoughts. I mean, they were sort of in the back of my mind, but what I was thinking was, okay, this is really horrible, and what's even going to be worse is what's going to come after, is going to be the response to this. Right. The immediate crackdown was what I feared the most, because everybody I was talking to was like, you know what's coming next? You know, some form of martial law or curtailing of our civil liberties. Um, and, And, gee, that's exactly what we're witnessing. Um, and, and then from, from the get-go, I mean, immediately following the second hit, uh, there was on-air speculation and assertions that this was obviously the work of uh, bin Laden and al-Qaeda. With little or no uh, information to go on, at least in the public domain at the time, um, there was already, you know, a conviction uh, of who was who was responsible for these atrocities. And um, that just became the lockstep uh, mantra of, of the masses. 
but it quickly, as, 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 as Alex and others sprang to the fore to begin uh, the ongoing investigation into these crimes, um, uh, there were, you know, there wasn't, there's been an existing group of, of, uh, uh, of researchers in the parapolitical field for some time now, largely due to other uh, past uh, reality-altering events like the, the coup d'etat uh, in the assassination of uh, JFK. And the, the community that existed then went right to work, starting to uh, investigate these cases uh, and the, the, the events leading up to and surrounding and, and following 9-11. And so uh, today we find ourselves in a situation where, in fact, it seems like the, the, this parapolitical conspiracy community have actually become uh, rather mainstream or, or in the process of becoming quite mainstreamed. Um, the recent New York Times article and uh, The New Yorker and uh, several other uh, mainstream publications are finally starting to uh, at least acknowledge this movement, whether or not one considers their coverage uh, fair or equitable is another matter altogether, but the fact is they're finally starting to cover it, even if slightly inaccurately. Uh, I think The New York Times article was acting as if this was the first conference of its kind, when in fact there have been dozens of these. In fact, I think you had on uh, Ray McGovern, former CIA analyst, and um, you know he had recently participated in an international inquiry into 9-11, and he, like others, and I think actually he's going to be at this conference, uh, right. are calling for a new investigation, because the one that we were given... Uh, that first was suggested to be head by Kissinger, who was responsible for his own September 11th uh, in in, in uh, Chile. Right. Uh, you know, everybody reacted like with a, with the kind of uh, a Paul that that should be reacted with that with that scum, for uh, lack of a better term. Um, and so he was replaced with others who had equal uh, uh, conflicts of interest in investigating uh, such an event. Um, because of their ties to the Bush administration and to some of the particulars uh, involved in this conspiracy. And the things that, that started to add up for me personally were what some people now say are red herrings, but they are the, the fact that they had plenty of warning, despite uh, Condoleezza Rice's assertion that they had no idea that anybody was thinking about using planes as weapons. It's a bold-faced lie, and she should have been fired for saying such a thing. And she, like everybody else, uh, nobody was fired. Nobody has been taken to task for these uh, ineptitudes, if that's in fact what they uh, were. But at the very least, they should have, if, if they were as incompetent as they're telling us they were, they should have been held accountable um, instead of you know, getting promoted and receiving larger budgets and um, curtailing our civil liberties. Yeah. This is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI in Irvine. Uh, we're... Speaking about 9-11 today, actually, this uh, weekend in uh, Los Angeles, there is the American Scholar Symposium, 9-11 plus the Neocon Agenda, presented by Alex Jones in the Prison Planet uh, uh, InfoWars people. And uh, we're hoping to have uh, a call-in at 4.30 from Webster Tarpley, and his, his book is 9-11 Synthetic Terror Made in USA, and he'll be speaking at the conference. Right now, we're speaking with Smiles Lewis, and uh, he's given us an overview of uh, the whole history of the 9-11 questioner movement. The, the true skeptics movement. <laughs> the true, true skeptics. Of what happened on 9-11. Y- yes, and uh, you can, uh, they can find out more about your work at AnomalyRadio.com and Elphis. Dot net. You, any other stuff you want to give out? Um, parapolitics.info, as well as 911podcast.info. Uh, those are two that I post a lot of 
parapolitical information to. Uh, basically, starting in, in late um, 2001, early 2002, I started archiving as many news reports as I could about these uh, this subject, uh, knowing full well that a lot of them would become unavailable on the Internet or hard to find in print, um, and stories change. So um, uh, it, it was always really important to uh, document uh, both the mainstream press and the uh, alternative parapolitical investigators that are uh, producing essays and reports on, on all the connections to this. I mean, I, we haven't really talked about any of the things that started adding up after the fact that, that led me and others to, to question the, the official story of 9-11, the official conspiracy theory, the conspiracy theory that these 19 uh, Muslim extremists uh, directed by a man in a cave um, were responsible for thwarting uh, all the billion-dollar defense industry that we have paid for with our tax dollars uh, over the last several decades uh, to protect us on our own soil. Um, hey, um, Smiles, uh, we're getting a call in, and I think it may be Webster, so uh, we're going to go to a little bit of music here, and then uh, we'll be right back with you, okay? Okay. All right, welcome back to Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI in Irvine. I'm Robert Larson. Uh, we're speaking about the 9-11 Truth Movement. We've got a big event coming up this weekend, uh, the uh, American Scholar Symposium 9-11 plus the Neocon Agenda presented by the Alex Jones InfoWars uh, Prison Planet people. And uh, we've uh, been talking in the first part of this show with Smiles Lewis. Uh, you still with us, Smiles? Here. All right. Uh, good to have you. And uh, we were expecting a call from Webster Tarpley, and I think we've got him set up. Uh, can you hear us, Mr. Tarpley? Hello, Rob. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Welcome to the show. Fine. Thank you. And hello, Smiles. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Webster. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Yes, and we'll say uh, real quick, uh, we'll mention again, the title of your book is 9-11 Synthetic Terror Made in USA. Uh, before we get into that, uh, Smiles, the location of the event, it's, it's in L.A., it's at the Sheraton, right? I believe that's correct, yeah. yeah well, maybe I'll bring that up online here so we'll make and sure we'll give out the... Uh, American Symposium. The American Scholars Symposium. American Scholars Symposium.com. Uh, yeah, Certainly, if you want to look under um, Infowars.com, PrisonPlanet.com, you find the location. Yeah, I'm going to bring that up online so we'll, we'll have that... Uh, for everybody, but uh, um, yeah, it's really it's great to have you on the show, uh, Mr. Tarpley. And we've been, like I said, in the first half we were talking about Smiles has been into this whole uh, movement of questioning the official version of 9/11. When was talking about the that day that it happened, how we already had questions, and how we started listening to Alex Jones and different people and piecing this together. And and you've got this book. Do you want to tell us a little bit about? Were you questioning it from day one or before it even uh, happened? Yes, of course. Uh, for me, it, it goes beyond questioning. Uh, my, my background is uh, journalist in Central Europe. I studied the Italian Red Brigades in the late 70s, the German Bader meinhof group during the same period. And my conclusion was that both of those were uh, created and run by NATO intelligence, that they, these were terrorist counter gangs, false flags, synthetic state-sponsored terrorist organizations. I learned about 9-11 uh, all at once in the middle of the <coughs> afternoon in Berlin, where I was attending a conference, and a guy came in and said what had happened. <coughs> and I went through about, I guess, about 30 seconds of uh, 
reasoning, uh, you look at something like this, right, the two towers, the Pentagon, the planes, and then you say, well, that's obviously hundreds and hundreds of people, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars going into that, and you ask yourself, who could do that? Well, in the abstract, the U.S., the Russians, the British, the French, the Mossad, if it were in China or uh, Japan, I guess it could be them or Brazil, but given the fact that it's in the United States, it's so obvious that this has to be a faction inside the U.S. command itself. And once you have that intuition, you test it on something obvious, for example, the lack of any air defense for one hour and 45 minutes when the, the, uh, the Payne Stewart uh, golfer was accompanied by you know, various echelons of fighters who reached him within 15 to 20 minutes uh, just a couple of years before, you have to come to the conclusion that this is, in effect, the, the rogue network or invisible government. In other words, the same people who brought you the Kennedy assassination, the Bay of Pigs, uh, and in particular the Iran-Contra gun-running and drug-running of the uh, 1980s into the 1990s. In other words, what Oliver North did under the supervision of George Bush Sr. with the help of Felix Rodriguez and Hasenfuss and such people. And it is interesting to see also that some of those Iran-Contra airports were used to groom or to house certain of the patsies, certain of the fall guys, the Oswald types, who were going to take the fall and had to be somehow sheep-dipped into uh, aviation schools. And that was done in Florida to some extent, in, in Oklahoma, in Maryland, and in many other places. So my book, I guess, is the thesis that's uh, it's called My Hop in the Movement, Made It Happen on Purpose. Um, As opposed to Lie Hop. Well, there, there's, there's the official version, the Kane-Hamilton-Zelikow the Kane Commission report, which is, of course, a tissue of lies, completely discredited, discredited once again now by, by the able danger revelations that they were given, uh, that commission was given important information by military intelligence officers, and they simply ignored it and swept it under the rug. So that's a bad joke, worse than the Warren Commission. Then you've got uh, incompetence and negligence, which is pretty much the same as the official version. You've got the official version with uh, the moral signs inverted, the sort of blowback thesis. This seems very radical, and you get this from, from uh, I don't know, people like Ward Churchill, if you know him, is the most extreme case. And he will say, you got what you deserved, you're imperialists, and, uh, you know, you bomb them, they bomb you. And this is, this is absurd, because that, those people who are accused, or any of the groups accused, have plenty of criminal intent in, in many cases, or, or are psychotics uh, more often, but they don't have the physical, technical capability to create the effects, that is, to, to have the controlled demolition of the buildings, to shoot a cruise missile into the Pentagon. They simply can't do that. So then we've got uh, LIHOP, let it happen on purpose, uh, meaning that there really is a terror organization in the world and they really have the capability of doing these things. And uh, what happened then was the, a clique inside the, uh, the administration, uh, the, the bureaucracy, or, or even some people would say Bush-Cheney, simply pulled down the guard, right? They, they paralyzed all the defenses, and at that point the evil foreign force came in. The problem with that is there is no such evil foreign force. Al-Qaeda is a wholly owned subsidiary of the CIA, created by the CIA with the help of the British and, and the Israelis, I suppose, and uh, they don't have the ability to do those things. They're, they can blow up a supermarket or a bus, but they can't carry out the controlled demolition of buildings because they're a collection of psychotic patsies, the kind of people we saw in the Musawi trial in, uh, in Virginia, which I attended at least once. 
So uh, I think that's the, the big difference is uh, anything from the official version through LIHOP means two things. You really believe in the world as described by the FBI and Bush and the rest of them, that there really is a terrorist organization and it could be fought better. At that point, I suppose you're, you're ready to, uh, to vote for Hillary Clinton or, or somebody like this, <laughs> which I would reject. I think that would be very bad. It also blinds you to where the next attack might be coming from. And, of course, once you get to my hop, that, that a force in the U.S. government made it happen on purpose, then you've got to look for the next one, Design, the, the, the terror attack that everybody's concerned about now, which is designed to start the war with Iran that the neocons have decided to, to wage, you're going to be looking into Cheney's office. Uh, you're going to be looking inside the U.S. You're going to be looking at drills and exercises and seeing how some of those could be flipped live, might go live. And uh, you're not going to be looking at Iran or Hezbollah or some cave in Afghanistan where, you know, turbaned plotters sit with a laptop uh, 100 miles from nowhere. It's just a fantastic story. So I think that's why MyHop is essential. MyHop is gaining ground. I think most of the, the main authorities in the U.S. Uh, would support it. That would include um, Professor Stephen Jones of Brigham Young at my speech in Chicago stood up and said that he wanted to be put on the MyHop honor roll. We have... Uh, uh, David Ray Griffin has at least uh, very briefly indicated that he thought that the attacks now are clearly coming from the inside the U.S. government. Morgan Reynolds, all the Europeans who blazed the trail, Thierry Maison of France, Wisniewski and, and von Bülow of Germany, Blondet of Italy, they were all my hop from the word go. There was never any doubt about that. And, and, and as I say, my book is probably the most consistent and I tried to make it the most hard-hitting version of my hop that you can find uh, originally written in English. And that's 9-11 uh, Synthetic Terror Made in USA. We're speaking with uh, Webster Tarpley. And uh, Webster, I, I did uh, bring it up online. It is uh, the 9-11 plus the Neocon Agenda Conference this weekend in L.A. It's the Sheraton Downtown L.A., 7-Eleven South Hope Street. And, uh, yeah, and again, that's put on by Alex Jones, InfoWars, Prison Planet People. And you can find out the information at InfoWars.com or PrisonPlanet.com. And Smiles Lewis is also with us today. Smiles, do you have any comments on uh, what uh, Webster just uh, laid down on us? Pretty heavy load there. Well, I, I tend to agree with most of it. I think there's still uh, some disagreement among uh, the different factions in the movement over different particulars, but I think we, there really is a consensus now for my hop, and it's, it has, for me, mostly been there since the beginning. And I guess the, 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 the small holdout uh, faction of people who still refuse to look at evidence uh, who are still holding on to this idea of, of radical Islam, which obviously there is radical extremism in all religions, but um, I guess, Mr. Tarpley, the question I would have for you is your book seems to be an overview, or at least it covers a lot of the issues of the various forms of synthetic terror. Um, the thing I think most people have a hard time with accepting is the idea that the government would kill its own people on purpose, even though we have... Uh, things like the most recent, like with the Operation Northwoods documents uh, that I was aware of even before 9-11 because they were uh, getting attention by ABC News uh, and other mainstream news outlets before uh, 9-11, but not ever since. And so we've got all these phrases like counterfeit foe, strategy of tension, uh, Hegelian dialectic, synthetic terror, false flag that describe this age-old technique of demonizing one's en en enemies uh, in order to rally one's own people against them. 
could you go into more about that? Because I think people still have a hard time believing that that really happens, even though there's so many historic examples of it. Well, I think uh, the best example is, is what you've just mentioned. Northwoods uh, is a, a secret paper from the Kennedy administration signed by General Lyman Lemnitzer, the then head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, who was about to go off to Europe to set up Gladio, uh, a stay-behind organization that then comes out to be implicated in a lot of that spheres of influence or geopolitical terrorism that I mentioned, the, the Bader-Meinhof and the, and the Red Brigades. Uh, what Northwood says is it's a clique of generals who want war with Cuba. They want to attack Cuba. They're also, I think it's clear, they're looking for a confrontation with the Soviets. And they say, well, how can we do this? We'll have some provocations. And we'll... Uh, a kidnap will hijack a plane, and uh, they cover themselves a little bit, saying, of course, we'll let the passengers out and replace it with a drone, and we'll fly it over Cuba, and we'll blow it up, and then we'll blame the Cubans. Or we could have, I think even more dramatic, we could have terrorist attacks in Miami and Washington and New York City. Sniper attacks. So they're talking about terror attacks. They're talking about killing American citizens, absolutely innocent, absolutely unwitting, on the streets of American cities. And remember, the Vietnam War, which was, in a sense, the successful application of this. In other words, they, they didn't do it in the form they said vis-a-vis -vis Cuba. They did it with the Gulf of Tonkin incident vis-a-vis -vis Vietnam. And uh, that they have had to admit just this past November. The National Security Administration has admitted that uh, that was a fake, that uh, the, the entire incident was fabricated from beginning to end. So 60,000 uh, GI's dead. A lot of people knew some of these people. I know I did. And then one to two million Vietnamese, uh, untold millions of Cambodians as a as a byproduct, and so on and so forth. Uh, just focus on the 60,000 dead GI's, though. They, they have no compunction about killing Americans. This is ridiculous. These are ruthless, cold-blooded elitists. They're, they're, for them, the game is power, world domination, they're, they're people of the moral stature of uh, Kissinger, uh, who uh, you know never made any any uh, secret of his genocidal intent towards certain populations of the world. But again, they're, they're also willing and, and more than willing to apply that to the United States, and they have a long record of political assassinations, but also sort of blind terrorism. I think it, it's clear to most people that the uh, Oklahoma City was a case of controlled demolition with McVeigh as a patsy. Uh, so this is an invisible government or rogue network or secret team, as Fletcher Prouty called it, which has been around for a long time. And, of course, as, as uh, Gary Webb pointed out, uh, from his vantage point, they're the ones with the crack cocaine epidemic. I describe that, that crack cocaine stuff as part of the Iran-Contra gun-running and, and, above all, drug-running in my book on Bush the Elder, you can. Uh, I, this is something you can go online and read for free if you want to take a look at it. It's at www.tarpley.net. That would be for the Bush bio. You can just download it for free. If you want the 9-11 synthetic, I invite you to go to Amazon and buy it there. It would help me a lot if you did. You can actually buy them both there, and they give you a good discount and, I think, free shipping. There is no doubt about this, uh, and it's not new. Uh, um, you may know 400 years ago last November, we had the gunpowder plot with Guy Fawkes. And this is popular now because of this movie V, I believe. V for Vendetta. People may have seen, yeah, V for Vendetta. Well, Guy Fawkes and that group of Catholics, uh, so-called, were a group of patsies. Two or three of them were double agents working for the 
Prime Minister of England at the time, Robert Cecil, the Earl of Salisbury, uh, whose uh, political fortunes depended on the anti-Catholic hysteria. And behind him, as another force contributing to this, you have Venetian intelligence. The Venetians were the ones who were sandwiched in between the Pope, uh, the Spanish, uh, and the Austrians, all pretty much one faction. And the Venetians felt that they had to... Uh, make sure that uh, and the Spanish, in particular, were at war with England, and this was a way to increase the chances, although it, it didn't pay off quite the way they wanted. It actually is the founding of the British Empire. The whole British Empire is really founded on an act of synthetic terrorism, right? This notion that, that Guy Fawkes and company were going to blow up the House of Lords with the Commons and the King and the, you know, the elite of the entire country. That's, that's, that's synthetic terrorism, and, and uh, it's, it, that has really been known for for centuries, but in the hysteria of the uh, U.S. and British academic worlds, you don't, you don't, you're not allowed to know those facts. So it's not new. It's a tool of statecraft. Uh, you have very cynical people, and these, of course, are the people now who are, who are talking about attacking Iran. They they want to attack Iran. Bush has made no secret of this. They're just looking for an opportunity. And for about the past year, we've been operating on, operating under something called the Cheney Doctrine. This came out in the American Conservative magazine in an article by Philip Giraldi, a former CIA agent, who said that Cheney had told the Pentagon, be ready for the atomic bombing of Iran in the wake of a new 9-11. Now, Cheney is not the type who's going to sit around or, or you know, do rain dances trying to get the new 9-11. He's going to organize it. It's going to come out of his office, his backers, perhaps his controllers is the most accurate way of putting it, and, uh, you know, we've we had mobilizations now in the past couple of weeks. We had weapons of mass destruction drills in New York and then in San Francisco, as far as we know. And today we have a new group of patsies, the, the, the Chicago Sears Tower patsies, yes. who are obviously a, peop, a group of people who are of limited mental equipment, who have been uh, manipulated and entrapped through their own gullibility and, and perhaps also through their own criminal intent. But they're brought to a point that they could never get to without the help of the FBI. And similarly, we just had the one in Toronto, right, with the 17 people arrested. Right. It turned out there that the so-called fertilizer bomb had been delivered by the Royal Canadian Mounted, Mounted Police to these people. So they had been entrapped. And that, of course, reminds me to warn everybody, if somebody comes by and wants to offer you a 10-year supply of fertilizer and he looks like Sergeant Preston of the Yukon, don't sign <laughs> for the package. And then we just had another one in London, even before that, where we had 250 people in a SWAT team go into a guy's house, shoot him without a word being spoken, and they were supposed to find cyanide or sarin or something horrendous, and they found absolutely nothing. So what I see is a pattern, a campaign to whip up hysteria around these notions of uh, al-Qaeda, bin Laden, terrorism, the war on terror, the next 9-11, the new 9-11, and all of that, the goal of all of that is to start what amounts to World War III, because if they do bomb Iran, they're going to kill Russians in the reactors and Chinese in the oil fields, and we will be on the slope towards World War III, and this is serious. This means you wake up in the day after, something that you thought had definitively gone away, has not gone away. Well, this is something that you uh, broached at the uh, Chicago conference, the 9-11 truth being the key to stopping World War III, uh, which is basically just what you outlined, that, that this, this danger that they're going to uh, 
provocateur another attack or pull off another attack. And you specifically mentioned Cheney, and, and, and there definitely seems to be the most damning evidence for uh, convicting Cheney, of, if, if anybody, of at least uh, complicity and, and controlling 9-11 in terms of his being in the bunker and apparently uh, controlling the operation. And if I may cut in there, you mentioned before Cheney uh, saying that he's the main plotter here probably of 9-11 or one of the main people, but you said something about his controllers. His controllers, yes, his controllers. Because Who would that we, be? we have to be realistic. I, I don't, I, when I say Cheney, this is a form of shorthand, I guess, and it's indispensable to sum it up this way so people can get an idea what you're talking about. Because if you're talking about invisible government, parallel government, secret government, uh, you know, rogue network, fifth column, deep state, uh, it's pe- people don't get the idea. The, you have to remember the overwhelming lesson is that the presidency and the vice presidency are puppet posts. They have been puppet posts for more than 100 years since Grover Cleveland surrendered the U.S. Treasury to J.P. Morgan and Company. The vast majority of presidents have been puppets. They've been passive. They've been figureheads. They've been managed with handlers. Uh, exceptions are Franklin D. Roosevelt, the greatest exception of them all, and Kennedy, who tried to escape this pattern and, 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 and paid with his life. Uh, Cheney, of course, is an old drunk uh, with uh, two or three heart attacks and four or five pacemakers. He's got a, a loudmouth, yapping, ideologue wife who, who uh, you know, kept changing the TV channels. I think it's, it's, it's um, frankly absurd to think that Cheney can organize and direct such a complicated operation using the communications down in the White House bunker. I think it ought to be clear that the command center for something like this would probably be in a private military firm, far away from any government scrutiny of even the most uh, routine type. But, of course, Cheney is a cog in the machine. Cheney is told what to do on that day, and he has certain tasks, and he knows something of what is coming. I don't know if he knows everything. And I think Bush knows even less. And I think we w- I would point in particular to the angel is next chapter in my uh, book. Uh, obviously, Bush is a moron, and he's not important, and he has no command capabilities. They probably told him the day before, make sure you follow orders tomorrow really quickly, uh, Mr. President. He gets a threat. Uh, angel is next. It's a death threat, and it comes into the Secret Service. And it's accompanied by a cascade of high-level, top-secret code words from across the agencies indicating that, in effect, the coup d'etat was in process and that he could either join it and become its spokesman, which is what he chose to do, or be liquidated. And as you can see in my book there, Daniel Hopsicker, who, who has no, I don't think his general conclusions on any of this are worthwhile, but his immediate reporting in Florida is very valuable, and he points to a kind of half-hearted, assassination attempt against Bush early in the morning. The longboat. And then if we listen to Morgan Reynolds, he wants to indict the head of the Secret Service for being a part of the coup because of the way they left Bush sitting in that classroom where everybody in the world knew where he was and could have very well taken a pot shot at him. And he was simply left there. Cheney was picked up and taken into the bunker, physically lifted up and carried away. Bush was allowed to sit there, uh, waiting for his handlers to tell him what to do, since he doesn't know. Ari Fleischer held up a sign saying, don't say anything, but he was there a good 15 or 20 minutes, I guess, according to most calculations, 
uh, and they were supposed to be out of there. One of the one of his handlers said, "We're out of here." Some say that was the Secret Service person. Other ones say it was the Marine Corps officer who had the football with the atomic codes. Uh, but they didn't get him out of there. They essentially security stripped him and hung him out to dry. And anybody who wanted to have a go at him could have had a go. It turned out nobody did. When his plane took off, Air Force One, he had no escort, uh, and he was receiving more threats. And he had to rush to Barksdale and Offutt because those are the two main nuclear command centers of the U.S. There was, of course, a complete Armageddon drill. A Third World War drill was in progress before the planes were hijacked. They had B-1s and B-52s with H-bombs in the air, submarine-launched missiles, land-based missiles all ready to go. Uh, and uh, so he had to run, according to the version that I think is the most plausible, he had to go to Barksdale and Offutt to assert his control of the nuclear forces vis-a-vis somebody else who might have had code words to be able to launch them. And I guess that brings us to the the other question, why would anybody want to launch missiles on, on 9-11? I think it's an integral part of the plot. Uh, we cannot forget that the, the political centerpiece in international terms of 9-11 is the Bush-Putin phone call. And in that phone call, Bush delivers an ultimatum saying, we're taking Afghanistan, we're taking Central Asia. Now, if Putin had been less intelligent than he is, and if he had been a, a Red Army bullethead or a Holy Mother Russia fanatic, he might have said, the hell you will, I'll blow your head off. We bled for 10 years in Afghanistan, and we're not letting you in there. We want that place to be neutral. And at that point, you would have had the, pro- the prospect of thermonuclear escalation, which is why I put on the cover of my book, not buildings crashing down, horrible as that is, but the ultimate horror of the, of the nuclear detonation, which might have happened on that day if things had gone slightly different than they did. Yeah. This is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI in Irvine. I'm Robert Larson. We're having a discussion today uh, with Smiles Lewis uh, from Elphis.net and Anomaly Radio and Webster Tarpley. Uh, We're talking about his book, 9-11 Synthetic Terror Made in USA, and he's going to be speaking at the 9-11 plus the Neocon Agenda, the American Scholar Symposium in Los Angeles. That's at the Sheraton Downtown uh, in L.A., uh, 711 South Hope Street. And um, uh, Webster, what time will you be speaking? I think they've got me on Sunday morning. And I have to warn people, before you make a long trip, call in and see what, what the situation with tickets is, because I think tickets are hard to come by. Uh, they may make some arrangement beyond what I know, because I've been traveling all day, in terms of an overflow room, or I don't know what. But I would urge you to call into the conference and find out what the uh, the availability of tickets is. I think the the maximum in the plenary room is 1,200, and this is the Los Angeles Fire Marshal telling us this, so we can't go beyond it. And other, I'm sure that the uh, the Alex Jones people would be happy to accommodate people as much as they can. But we're we're getting very near the the overflow mark, and and there may be again there may be some provision for that, but uh, yeah, I'm I not 100 percent sure. So call in before you make a long trip. Yeah, I had actually heard it was sold out, but don't take my word for yeah, it. I, I, that's the impression I get, too. But I, I, I just wonder, you know, they, they might have, you know, since they were getting so much demand, they might have found a way to, again, open up an overflow room or something like this. I don't know. And even if it is sold out, you may want to just go down there because you will probably meet other interesting people on the outside. That Yeah, you can meet <laughs> the, uh, Professor Stephen Jones with this great thermite reaction presentation. In other words, the he's got pictures of molten metal coming out of the... Uh, the Twin Towers before their collapse, and he uh, he points to the use of thermite, a tremendously powerful 
reaction that can eat through the engine block of a car in about 30 seconds. And this seems to be what cut those tremendously strong central core columns of the two towers. There are 47, 48 of these steel columns, which are basically comparable to a a large suspension bridge or the superstructure of a battleship, and just cut them and slice them into convenient 25-yard lengths so you could toss them right on on flatbed trucks and take them over to fresh kills and then send them to China. And by now you've probably got that steel in your pocket in the form of uh, paper clips or something like this. So, uh, uh, Webster, there are going to be you know several speakers there this weekend. And uh, is there one thing that you'd like to emphasize that you think many of the other researchers are, are possibly missing? I think it's the role of the drills. In other words, uh, on 9-11 you have what I think is the largest concentration of military and anti-terror and related drills, as far as I can see, in all of United States history. At the top of the list is this Global Guardian, an Armageddon or Third World War, uh, all-out nuclear uh, attack and defense drill, both, both attack and defense going on that day. In other words, before any plane is hijacked, you've got a situation that looks like the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis with the B-52s loaded with H-bombs and flying around the North Pole in a holding pattern, ready to go so they can't be caught on the ground. And, of course, the Russians, my friend General Ivashov, who was commanding the Russian forces that day, has confirmed to us that, that this is indeed what they saw. Uh, and then you go through the other 15 drills. You get things like Amalgam Virgo, which was a drill that took place a little bit earlier, but it bore, obviously, on 9-11, uh, shooting a cruise missile from the deck of a barge or a freighter in the Gulf of Mexico or the Atlantic and hitting a, a land target. Uh, this would seem to be what happened at the Pentagon. And then, the, maybe the most dramatic, the National Reconnaissance Office, Chantilly, Virginia, had a drill crashing planes into buildings. Now, when you have a drill that so closely resembles what happens the supposition has to be that the actual terror activity has been conduited or bootlegged or conducted through the U.S. military security bureaucracy under the cover of the supposedly legal and sanctioned drill. And if you look in the, if, if you look in the preface, I guess, to the second edition of my book, I think you have the third there if it, if it reached you. But if you uh, yes. look in the second edition, you'll see a chart it gives you a summary of, of uh, not all, maybe, but a lot of those drills. There were special drills for the first responders in New York. There were special drills going on that day or uh, a couple of weeks earlier for the first responders in uh, Shanksville, Pennsylvania. There was a special drill for Fort Belvoir, Fort McNair, the firemen who went to the Pentagon. Uh, every base was covered. Um, and I would say, again, that this is, this is how it was done, and I, I think this is... It's politically, uh, obviously, a, a hot potato, but I think this is the, the essence of it. <clears throat> and our movement has to learn this lesson. Last summer, we were able to shut down a drill, Sudden Response 05 in Charleston, South Carolina, which posited that there was going to be a nuclear detonation there. And just by putting those facts on the Internet, it raised such a hue and cry in Charleston, South Carolina, getting into the main local paper, that the drill was postponed, postponed, and then just shut down. And that's what should happen to these drills. Shut them down. Identify them, expose them, and get people of all types, environmentalists, NIMBY, neighborhood activists, to simply say, we don't want these things in our neighborhood. We don't want gas dispensers or exploding manhole covers or, or the rest of this stuff. And indeed, this, this Chicago story from today, 
this had been going around, right? There was this, there was a story that somebody was going to attack the Sears Tower on six six six, and now we have that a group of patsies had indeed been prepped by the FBI to do precisely that, and they had been stung and entrapped and manipulated into. Indeed, undoubtedly shooting their mouths off and, and expressing criminal intent they may well have had. But none of, the, none of the hardware was in their control. The hardware remained under the control of the FBI. If I can rely on the snippets of press conferences I've seen walking through several airports today. <laughs> well, there, that's going to be developing over the next few days. should be very interesting. And uh, Smiles Lewis, do you, uh, you want to make a kind of final comment? We're getting towards the end of the show here. Um, I, I would just uh, second everything that Tarpley has said. I, again, I think uh, we all tend to quibble over details, but I think the overwhelming evidence would convict in a court of law. The preponderance of evidence push points in a certain direction, and that is towards complicity by components of our government uh, in a conspiracy to kill their own American citizens and drive us into a war. Okay, and your websites real quick? Parapolitics.info, 911podcast.info. Okay, and uh, Webster Tarpley, uh, yes, you will be speaking this weekend at the... Uh, American uh, Scholar Symposium 9-11 plus the Neocon Agenda at the downtown Sheraton in L.A. And uh, you said you think it's Sunday morning? Sunday morning, I'm pretty sure. And if people want to get my book, they can get it at Amazon.com. And if you do this, you, you do me a favor because we're fighting to get into bookshops, and it's been hard. And the higher the Amazon rankings, the better the chance to get into the bookshops. Okay, and that's 9-11 Synthetic Terror Made in USA, Webster Griffin Tarpley. And look forward to seeing you at the conference this weekend. Thank you so much. See you Th soon, then. Okay, thanks for being with us. Bye-bye to Smiles. Okay, thank and thank you for being with us, too, Smiles. Thank you. All right, that wraps up Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM. We're also on the web at KUCI.org. In just a couple minutes, we have nonprofits for us coming up uh, with Deanne. She's got a new co-host, Jackie. And I'll be back with you next week uh, with more uh, non-soundbite radio here on Out the Rabbit Hole, more uh, debunking of the idiocy of coincidence theorists. So be talking to you then. KUCI in Irvine, going to leave you with some Wayne Kramer.